and welcome back to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. We are your animates. I am Scarlett. I'm Katie. And once again, we are here to talk to you about the world of cartoons and animation and all the wonderful things we grew up with that stick to us to this day. Uh, actually, today, we're not necessarily talking about one cartoon, uh, but one creator. This is our first episode focused on one uh, creator of cartoons who has had a meaningful impact on the industry and in particular our childhoods. Uh, we're going to be talking today about Butch Hartman, uh, who you may know as the creator of Fairly Odd Parents, uh, Danny Phantom, Tough Puppy, and who also did a lot of contributing work uh, for the early Cartoon Network series like Dexter's Lab, Johnny Bravo, uh, Cow and Chicken, and I believe I Am Weasel as well, he contributed. Um, his, he's a very distinctive art style. You always know a Hartman uh, picture when you see it. And he has had an enormous impact on particularly how Nickelodeon has uh, run over, over the past uh, several decades. He's been involved with them, uh, particularly, I think, through Fairly Odd Parents, uh, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. I know it was, it was very special to Katie as well. Isn't that right? Yeah. Good show. Well, good long running, long running show. Long <laughs> running, good. Variations. Bad. It's unclear. I, I've I've said this before, but I do enjoy the way that Fairly Odd Parents so perfectly tracked out the various ways to jump the shark. Like your audience is getting bored, so throw in a baby, and when they're bored of the baby, add a dog, and when you're tired of the dog, add a girl. So. The, the latter is, the latter of desperation is if you're a little desperate, you add a baby. If you're very desperate, add a cute animal like a dog. And if you are just so completely screwed, you have no idea what to do. Oh my God, what's the next weird creature or fantastical element we can add? Girl. <laughs> add a girl. <laughs> oh, Lord. I, yeah, yeah I, I'm going to be honest, I haven't really watched. turns. It has. I, I haven't really watched any Fairly Odd Parents, like, aside for the one, you know, a few episodes just to, to, to look and be like, oh, they added a girl. Oh, there's a talking dog now. Uh, I, I think I probably stopped watching maybe like a year or so after they added Poof, who I liked. I think Poof was a good addition. I think that was a good, a good shakeup of the family dynamics that actually added more to the story. Um, mm -hmm. But that that was good. Um, so yeah, so Butch Hartman, uh, Katie, you did you did some research on him. Can you tell us anything about how he started in the industry and and the trajectory of his career path? Yeah, so he's one of those Cal Arts kids. Ooh, those Cal Arts kids. Uh, he worked on the first thing he worked on for animation was an American Tale. Oh, I love an American Tale. Uh, what, what classic. What, what sort of work did he do on American Tale? He was an in-between animator. Oh, okay. So that's a, that's like a, it's like an internship type role. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, American Tale is one of those movies they always used to show us in Hebrew school growing up. And they would like pause the movie and have you like take time to analyze the ways in which the cats are like Nazis. So it, it's like, like American Tale and Prince of Egypt were the movies that I, I saw like at least once a year through Hebrew school. And like a very academic lens from a young age uh so i have i have fond memories uh he worked on an unidentified my little pony animated series for a little bit 
as a character designer. That Willer will not attract the bronies. Um, and he was also a storyboard artist for that. He didn't have a lot of experience storyboarding. He was fired pretty quickly from that job. Oh. Uh, but then he good. worked on. <laughs> he worked on like two things I don't know. It's Punky Brewster and Dink the Little Dinosaur. I think I know Punky Brewster a little bit. That's, that, I mean that that was a that was a live action show at first. I think then maybe so maybe they had like a cartoon spinoff. Uh, he was a video <laughs> reference crew member for Pocahontas. Okay. So uh, this seems to be a bit of a dark period in his life story. Yeah, not not doing so hot at the beginning, and then in 1990s he got into the model department at Hanna Barbera. And uh, we clearly have said, yeah, the rest is kind of where he goes. He did some stuff on What a Cartoon, worked on the early Cartoon Network shows, Dexter's Lab, Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, I Am Weasel. He went to Cybert to do the Oh Yeah cartoons at Nickelodeon, which is very similar to the What a Cartoon. Uh, he met Seth MacFarlane at Hanna-Barbera. I always forget which yeah. one. I always forget which ones are Oh Yeah cartoons and which ones are What a Cartoon. They need to bring those things back. I miss those. The fun fact of his time at Hanna-Barbera is uh, he became friends with Seth MacFarlane. The character Dr. Elmer Hartman in Family Guy was named after Hartman. If you did not know, Butch is not his real name. His real name is Elmer Earl Hartman IV. All right, I'm kind of getting why Elmer Earl decided to change his name to Butch. I think those are the most different names you could possibly get. Butch is his nickname (laughs) from childhood. But yes, oh, then what, he worked. Oh, what do you have to do as a as a child to get the nickname Butch? I don't know. <laughs> that's either that's either a very good story or a very bad story. Like maybe there is a story there. Maybe it's the fact you could. I feel like easily transform Butch Hartman's uh, adult appearance into a Butch lesbian. I can see that. I can see. see. I, an imp- important fun fact about Butch Hartman is that you know, you know he's really made it when he has a TV trope named after him, and that is Hartman hips, because he is known for drawing his female characters with quite the hourglass. There is a, there is a, 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 a bump around that hip area that most human women would not have, or they would fall right, right over. So, you know. It, he could he could be a lesbian. I I think we can say Butch Hartman is a Butch lesbian. This is going to be very ironic when we get to the second part of this episode, but we'll get there later. I I will say Katie when when they pitched this episode was very cryptic about some of the places it would go and some stuff about what Butch Hartman has been up to recently, which I I, I did not look into because I, I tried to restrain myself so that Katie could tell me on the air. I am nervous, guys. I am, <laughs> I am concerned. We will well, see where this goes. Why don't we talk about his works on Nickelodeon now, which is what everyone knows Butch Hartman for, except for his fourth yes. show, which I don't know. That is Bunsen it, is a Beast. He had a fourth show? Bunsen is a Beast. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Did that, like, was that long running? When did that come out? Uh, lasted a year, approximately. Oh, what what, what year? Uh, 2017 to 2018, so very far out of our 
range of seeing things. Yeah, we were we were in our second year of college. I guess we weren't really focused on that. Yeah, I, I watched a little bit of Tough Puppy when it came out. That was I think that was right at the age where I was sort of starting to outgrow some of these. Um, and Tough Puppy seemed a little more childish, uh, but I, I've, I've heard it's okay. I've, I've never I've never met anyone who is ride or die for Tough Puppy, but I, I never heard it was bad. Uh, I think it's clear though that the two the two foundational columns of his legacy are Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom, two very different shows that really cemented uh, their place in the Cartoon Hall of Fame, shall we say? Um, yeah. So, Katie, what, what what makes you what do you what do you love about Fairly Odd Parents so much? What, why why is that one of one of your favorites? As I as I have gleaned, it is. Uh, that's a great question. It's what it, along with just Nickelodeon being the show channel that was on the most, you get SpongeBob and Fairly Odd Parents. Those were the two biggest shows probably of our prime childhood. I think Fairly Odd Parents worked that's for kids because it was a fantastical element that was in a decent amount of media at that time. The idea of fairly fairy godparents. Because uh, I feel like uh, the Shrek, is it in the second movie? I think the second movie. Uh, the fairy godmother that everyone, that's the best part of that movie. I need a hero. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I feel like that was, for some reason, just a very general motif. But also I feel like a lot of kids could un- relate to the sad uh, care- child character who was getting bullied at school, wasn't doing hot at school. Um, I feel like it w- had characters everyone could enjoy. And the goofs were good. That's It was childhood goofiness of a kid going, I want this. As most kids do. And then going, this was a mistake. <laughs> exactly. I, th- I think to me, it really, you know, like you said, the idea of, of you know, the, the wish fulfillment, the fantasy element, the fairy godparents, you know, those, those were nothing new. I kind of think the thing that Fairly Odd Parents did that really elevated it was that your main character was not a Cinderella type. It was, Timmy Turner objectively does not deserve Fairly Odd Parents. Like, He's kind of a bad kid. He is, he is selfish. He uses his wishes selfishly. I mean, the show would be over on day one if you'd gotten a really selfless kid who said, great, world peace. Like, can we, can we be done? Like, no disease. But it works really well because you have a kid who makes the kind of wishes that I think we would have made as kids. We, he makes selfish, horrible, self-serving wishes. And it's, it's what makes him such a fun, relatable character uh, because we sort of always know he's going to get his comeuppance, but we're really excited to see that first, you know, that first and the second act uh, time when he is living our dream. You know, a d- d- dessert, dessert every day or Christmas every day or all, all kinds of things that we, we would wish for as kids that we know deep down is going to end incredibly poorly for everyone. Um, but still, we like seeing that moment that the, the little the little brief period of happiness before everything collapses. Um, I also really liked how creative the uh, the comeuppance would often be. I think you know I think some of the some of it you know you, you could predict where some of those would be going. But like I was just I, I mentioned the dessert one because I just rewatched it. That ends with the Earth about to fly into the yep. sun. Like 
you would think like you would think the escalation of that kind of story would end with the main character realizing the importance of nutrition and oh no everyone's really fat and everyone is really tired and we don't have energy because we haven't eaten healthy foods uh but instead the, the weight of the town makes it fly into the sun so i i really i i admire that this show was willing to it, it was it was clearly sort of probably pitched as kind of a morality show which would have gotten really boring really fast of oh kid learns not to make a selfish wish but the way that the show would often escalate i think is really what what set it apart and allowed it to have the longevity that it did um i, I think i think there's some there's something to be said there for the, the the zaniness that the show was allowed to do probably because it came from someone like butch hartman who had that hannah barbera background uh, if, I feel like Butch Hartman's contribution to that uh, was so it was so important. He's, you know, like like Katie said earlier, he's definitely been involved in lots of different areas of the animation world. But he, I think, he really did take that Looney Tunes Hanna Barbera training in that in that level of escalation and brought it into a more clean Nickelodeon format. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the thing with this and is very true of SpongeBob and Fairly Odd Parents. There's a lot of comedy that has stuck with our generation and just become part of the... Diaspora? Is that the word I want? I'm not good at the English language. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> Go for it. But think about it. Shiny teeth and me. Ugh, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... Not gonna lie, I, I I definitely had one of the Tooth Tunes things that used to play that. Um, it, it's a it's a good it's a bop, is as the or, kids say, it is absolutely it is a, bop. a bop. Or from the Information Stupor Highway episode, which I did not know that was the name. I just call it the Internet one, <laughs> where uh, yes. like Timmy's yes, asked like one. Timmy's asked uh, by his parents like. What did you do? And his answer is just, uh, the internet. That might not be that episode, but I think of that one when I relate to the internet. The internet episode is great. I love that running gap. Huh? The internet. I'm not confident on this. I think Fairly Odd Parents might have been one of the first shows to have so many running gags related to the internet. Because that was, I remember that always being a really funny joke for kids that the parents would be so oblivious about how the internet works that they would buy it. That was a joke that worked, I think, on multiple levels because any child watching has, now, has at that point probably had the experience of doing things on the internet that the parents are perplexed by at that point. Like, I, I don't think my mom started using email until maybe five years after I did. <laughs> So it's, it was always funny to hear his parents be like, how did, how did you make that happen? And it's like a ludicrous, like a ludicrous witch. Like it's like an amusement park in his backyard or something. And the answer is, uh, internet? And everyone else is like, all right, carry on. I just assume that that's how that works. Uh, it, was, it was a really smart show in that way. Just I think it was another example of a show that knew its audience, that wasn't, wasn't trying to appeal to like a, a faint concept of what kids like, but actually honing into the zeitgeist of, okay, what are, what are disaffected post 9-11 kids in the early 2000s? What, what did they want? What, what would be their ultimate fantasy? And wh- how do they relate to their parents? I think this, also, was, this was also definitely part of a neglectful parents phase of animation. Like it, it, it I definitely started, I think with Dexter's lab, but it, it, 
I don't think we see it so much today. I think their parents are much more attentive in cartoons these days. But we definitely went from absentee parents in like the 80s and 90s to abusive parents. <laughs> I mean, are you Timmy Turner's saying parents are borderline abusive? <laughs> are you saying that I'm respecting your privacy by knocking, but asserting my authority as your parent by coming in anyways? <laughs> Might relate to that. As yeah, that's the probably the second dad. best. Yeah in regards to the kid parent understandings. The only thing that might be me more is, this is where I put my blank, if I had one. If I had one. I, I, and I think or that was also Dinkelberg. another- I think that was also another achievement that Butch Hartman brought into this. Cause you can, again, you can sort of start to see that happening with shows like Dexter's Lab, where like the parents are kind of characters, but I think especially in Fairly Odd Parents, and later in Danny Phantom, the idea that parents could be funny characters. I mean, D Danny Phantom's parents are not as bad as Timmy Turner's parents. They are, they're, they're absentee. They're, they don't, they're ghost hunters who don't realize their son is a ghost and is running, they're running off on all their missions and generally not being very supportive of their son, uh, who clearly doesn't feel like he can talk to them about his problems. But they are very funny. <laughs> They are funny characters. I think Timmy Turner's dad is probably the funniest character on that show. And I can't really think of that many cartoons out there where the parents are as entertaining, if not more so, than the protagonist. And I think, I think that's, that's a lot of Hartman's influence because it's the same with, with, with his two major shows that I think really set them apart. Uh, I remember Jim, Jimmy Neutron kind of tried to do that with Jimmy's parents, but I don't really remember I think Jimmy's dad had like a thing with ducks, I remember. I don't know. I don't think they were at nearly as funny as the Turners. No, and I think a thing with Fairly Odd Parents is it has a lot more adult characters than a lot of shows, and all of them are very comedic. Because you have Crocker, uh, Doug Dimmodome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. Which is the Morgan. only way you can say his name. You cannot say it any, any shorter. No. I mean, that, that's it's the whole there, name or nothing. Just, there, I, I think that I think that kind of goes for Danny Phantom as well, so somewhat less so. But I think what Butch Hartman shows, I think, can be characterized a lot by the speed of the comedy. And again, I think that comes from from Hanna Barbera. There are really no dead weight characters. I can't think of any characters that are just kind of there as plot elements or are not funny, not entertaining. I mean, I, I even think of I think of Trixie Tang a lot about this. I mean, that that's a character that. You know, she, she could just be the bland, attractive love interest. She could just be the popular, boring love interest that is just there to be an object. But she is really funny. She is, oh, whenever she's on, she's making a funny expression. In that episode where, where, uh, where Timmy is the last boy in the world and she has no one else to admire her and she just goes off the deep end and demands to be told she's pretty constantly. I mean, that's a funny character and she didn't have to be and most cartoons would not have made her funny. That episode has one of my favorite dumb ones uh, references to make, which is gnawing your arm off like a coyote to get away. I've made that with this one a few times. Also, like Trixie Tang has the I'm ignoring you. I said I'm ignoring you. Don't ignore me. I'm ignoring you. That's the explanation of teenage girl logic, which I can't say is wrong. And like I said, I think, yeah. I think that comes from his, his work at, on, on Hanna-Barbera shows, because those early shows, they, they had budget constraints, you know? They mm -hmm. couldn't 
You couldn't just have characters for the sake of being characters. They were written quick, they were produced quick. Every character had to, in some way, get, get you laughing while they were on screen. And you, you really, even though uh, Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom, particularly Danny Phantom, have a, a stronger plot element and have to you know, keep some sort of drama and keep the story going, uh, they, he does, still does a really good job of keeping those characters constantly funny and keeping you laughing the whole time, which is, is great. Yeah. Fairly Odd Parents is a well-written show that lasted probably too long. It was originally supposed to end with Wishology. It didn't. Nickelodeon wouldn't let it die. They wouldn't let it go down gently into the cold night. They said, you're going to decay. (laughs) But yes, we are going to talk more in depth one day. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have more of a discussion, mostly because I think there, there were so many events regarding Fairly Odd Parents that we have plenty to talk about. We got Channel Chasers, we got Wishology, we have the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. So, so many elements of Fairly Odd Yes? Does that include the fact that they made not one, but two live-action films for Fairly Odd Parents? We are both of which starring Drake Bell. We are a cartoon podcast, sir, so we do not have to talk about those. I feel like we have to reference them in the We've Jumped the Shark cast Drake Bell. Is, 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 is that the step between dog and girl is live action with Drake Bell, who has now fled to Mexico? <laughs> who we've discovered, so. in relation to this podcast, who we've discovered is a terrible person. Who shaped our childhood? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, the more we don't think about Jake Bell, Drake Bell, the better. But he did fl- change his name yeah, and flee to Mexico. He did. He did do that. Um, why, why don't we we talk? We've sort of talked already a little bit about Danny Phantom, but let's 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 touch for for a moment uh, on Danny Phantom because that's obviously another huge part of Butch Hartman's legacy. Uh, Katie, what, what what are your feelings towards Danny Phantom? I remember liking it, but for some reason it's in the in the part of my brain, the collection of cartoons I can't reference as much, even though I watch them. And I've discovered over the last few days, we have a lot of friends who are big fans of Danny Phantom and are demanding an episode to take over the podcast to rant about Danny Phantom. Which we might need, because I'm sort of also in that same boat. Of, I'm, I'm not ride or die Danny Phantom. I definitely watched it whenever it was on. I was eager to watch it. I think I was definitely more here for the action than the comedy. It was, it was a very funny show. Like, don't get me wrong. I remember it had a really strong comedy. I did laugh at it. But I think I, I was more excited by the creativity of the ghost world. I think it was an interesting take on ghosts. And I think, again, a lot of that I think is Butch Hartman's influence of... He, he never took a concept and just played it straight, you know, in the same way that Fairly Odd Parents was not a typical story about a kid with fairy godparents. Danny Phantom, you know, the idea of it being a boy who is half ghost who fights ghosts, you would sort of think, oh, that's going to be kind of like a horror-inspired show, right? Uh, but instead, they they'd lean hard into sci-fi, and the way they design these ghosts is really interesting. They don't look like, you know, typical ghosts. They're not Casper-type you know, people in sheets kind of looks, they, they kind of almost have a 
they almost kind of look like computer viruses, I think is the best way to describe it. They're neon colored. They're not, re they're for the most part, not really transparent. I think sometimes they are. Uh, they have cool superpowers, but like sci-fi laser type superpowers. Uh, it, really, it really does come across more, especially when uh, Danny is transforming into his ghost form. It comes across way more like a, like a Marvel superhero suit-up sequence than it does a, a person, you know, having a horror movie type transformation into a half-ghost. Uh, so I think that was that that in, is a lot of what made the show so enduring is that it what it probably wasn't what Nickelodeon had in mind when Bush pitched it to them, uh, and that was much and that was for the better. Or were the ghosts even ghosts, Scarlet? Because Butch Hartman has said they have no relation to human souls. They're not ghosts. They're more like monsters stuff. Or the ghosts own something. He's had some mixed opinions on talking about this show that. <laughs> will probably become oh. <laughs> understandable when we get to more about who he is. Oh, oh no. Oh, that, that's, that's intimidating. Uh, oof. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's true. I mean, the ghosts never... It, just calling them ghosts always felt a little weird because there, there's really no, no sense of them being ghosts in the way that we would traditionally think of ghosts. Uh, but again, I think that was absolutely to the show's advantage is that you never quite knew the rules. So there would have to, uh, they, they'd have to build the, the world for you. And there was a, several episodes that they go into the ghost world, and there were like there were like children of ghosts, and all all kinds of very interesting things uh, with the world building there in the story. Again, we have friends who are very eager to come on and talk about Danny Phantom, uh, and they'll probably have more to say than, than we will. Um, so we'll we'll probably leave that for now. It was a very good show. It was a fun show. Uh, and I, I think it, it definitely shaped a lot of more of the action-oriented cartoons that we later got out of Nickelodeon. Yeah, it was enjoyable for the action. I do remember that. And Tough Puppy tried to capture on the action idea and the comedy. It just didn't land as well. It felt, I guess Tough Puppy was made for the group after us, in a sense, where they had more of the animal-based cartoons rather than the human-based cartoons. I feel like that was a thing. Yeah. Moving away from human oh, to animals. Like the backyard again. Yeah. This is the second week in a row we've talked about the backyard again at some point. Should have the tally yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, there was definitely a, a push to maybe not even just animals, just like non human characters. Like I'm thinking about moving on to shows like Chowder and Flapjack. Um, mm -hmm. I think that was probably roughly around that same time as Tough Puppy came out. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's after yeah, also, think, like, the Cars push from Disney. Exactly. Um, which I think I think that was part of the problem for me, is that Tough Puppy felt childish in ways that Fairly Odd Parents didn't, just by virtue of having a animal main character, which isn't really fair. I mean, I think in many ways Tough Puppy probably was on the same level, if not more mature than Fairly Odd Parents. Uh, but it just, it, al it always felt very, very beneath me whenever I'd see it on I wouldn't I would watch it um yeah I've, I've watched seen, like, some little of clips of it now I feel like remembering yeah. overall it did feel more childish uh when I was watching it would off like it would be on Nickelodeon after other things and it's one of those things you leave the tv mm -hmm. on and you just kind of watch it I just remember it feeling a little bit more childish that might be I was older still watching cartoons at that point yeah but it also just might have been like the change in some of the humor, the anthropomorphization of things. You know, it goes that way. 
I, I remember the hijinks felt wackier. I think it, it sort of did feel more in line with, you know, Dexter's Lab and Johnny Bravo type comedy, where it's, it's more broad physical comedy as opposed to Fairly Odd Parents, which was a lot more quippy and a lot more visual gags. Uh, and Danny Phantom, where most of the jokes were much more character-based. It, it, fe it felt more like a, like a slapstick show than either of those other ones. And we've already established we know nothing about Bunsen is a beast. Bunsen is a beast? Can you, can you like, read the, like, the description of that or something? Sure, like, I can pull I, up Bunsen. I don't even remember like seeing that anywhere on like Nickelodeon's lineup uh, at any point. Let's pull up our favorite thing, Wikipedia, and get us a premise. Yay! Who's ready for my reading voice? <clears throat> Bunsen reading is voice. the beast. Centers around a blue monster named Bunsen, the first beast to attend Muckledunk Middle School. Mickey Monroe, his human friend, helps him navigate through school as he feels the pressure to prove that monsters can coexist peacefully without eating humans and harming others. Episodes typically focus on Bunsen learning how to complete human tasks and discovering a human tradition. Mikey also learns more about the monster world, meeting new creatures whenever he visits Bunsen's home. However, a girl named Amanda Kilman. Can we not name people Kilman in kids' shows? <laughs> believes Bunsen is dangerous and wants to destroy him so that his kind will suffer from extinction. Bunsen and Mikey must outwit Amanda whenever she comes up with a new scheme. Yes. I think she wants to commit genocide. <laughs> That's called genocide. <laughs> okay, to be fair, the Fentons in, in Danny Phantom also wanted to kill all ghosts, so... Why is this a recurring theme, Butch? Why do you like genocide? In your show? Oh, wait, wasn't there... Wouldn't the Pixies on Fairly Odd Parents also want to defeat all the fairies? Also, Crocker definitely wanted to kill all the fairies, right? Or, I like, think Crocker just wanted to like, show the world that fairies existed or wanted their okay. magic. It's unclear. We also learned that Timmy's fairies were his fairies at one point, and he accidentally revealed them, and that's why he lost them. But his like memory's still hazy. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I, I, I like that because it, it, it creates much more of a parallel between Timmy and Crocker and makes their rivalry more interesting. I think the Pixies um, anti-fairies fairy thing is that they all technically share the same magic source, but the fairies have the monopoly on it, so the Pixies and the anti-fairies want to steal the power. So what you're saying is, the fairies are like Twitter, and the anti-fairies are like Parlor, and the Pixies are like LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> Sure. All right, so we can add we can add to the tally of people who have we have pissed off on this show people who use Parler. So that's fine. Bye, bye, people who use Parler. Bye, <laughs> zero people. <laughs> oh. All right, so so that's dear. another thing we've learned about Butch Hartman is that he is weirdly pro genocide in his cartoons. We aren't even in the bad well, like, stuff yet, I mean, and we discovered to, to this. To be fair, his villains usually are the ones who want to commit genocide, but that's that's a big theme for uh, for 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 cartoons. I remember watching Danny Phantom and being like, "Wow, like his parents are so prejudiced against ghosts, but he himself is half ghost. Like, what will happen when they find out the truth? Like, 
kind of in a way there's like there are parallels there for being like a kid in you know a closeted kid not wanting to reveal to his homophobic parents that that he is gay you know like there's there's definitely a queer reading you can do our queer correspondent is ready for that queer reading in the full episode look forward to that and the queer correspondent who's listening better be getting there saying our queer correspondent's our biggest fan and this yeah, is probably the one ready. person listening. I hope you have your essay written. We are looking forward to it. <laughs> I think I think our straight correspondent also is listening and will have her essay prepared. Uh, yeah, but their essay is just a new rap version of the theme song, I believe. Don't don't spoil it. Don't don't spoil their their Danny Phantom episode because I think that's all they have. <laughs> Maybe right they'll have more. Maybe they won't. The world may never know. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, well, Katie, uh, I I've got to say I am burning with curiosity about what you've dug up about Butch Hartman that you've been alluding to this whole time. Uh, well, why don't we take a brief break to hear from a word from our sponsors, and then when we come back, uh, you can reveal what you know. Wow, it, that, that was such a great non-pre-recorded sponsorship. I really love, insert sponsorship here, that product or service is, uh, is really great, and I use it so much in my daily life. <laughs> now... It's time to go to my section. I spent today researching for this, and the uh, main summation that I can how, give you from that time is: I be? Well, the fact that my main feeling come about it coming out of this was, oof, should tell you something. So, so sh- should I grab something to to cuddle with? To you might want Roku. Yeah. Ba da ba da I have Roku now. Yay. So All right. why don't we start with a lighter of these topics? We'll we'll start with his uh oh, <laughs> with his streaming service, Oaxis. Spell which he tried O A X I X Oaxis. Okay. So you know, actually, we're going to start with The Garden instead. We'll, we'll start there. So The Garden was a little short series created by Butch uh, that you can either spend $130 to get the link to a Google Drive to watch it on, or you can pay for a Gospel Truth TV subscription to watch it. And it stars a lion and a lamb in a garden as they are told by God in his omnipotent voice from an envelope that spew a golden envelope that spews a rainbow tasks they should do to learn the stories of Jesus and God and it's poorly done not worth $130 for a Google Drive link oh god but looks like the Chartman drew it that that absolutely feels like the sort of thing that would make a lot of money just off of crazy Christians who are oh. determined to have wholesome entertainment. Yes, and that's why crazy Christians helped fund Araxis. But it was not known when Butch Hartman started a Kickstarter for it, and the fans of Butch and he. It was just at first said he described it as a family-friendly sh- 
content place. Because we need more family-friendly content. You can't just go to Google and discover that something is PG-13 or G. Mm. Or on Netflix, it kind of just says it right before you click something. We need one place where there is nothing but G content. However, it was only... Only after it was fully funded did he disclose that it was a Christian service. Yeah, that, that's disingenuous. I mean, and a I, lot of, I can kind of get it, but, like, if you were, like, a little Jewish kid like me, like, I, I wouldn't have wanted that, and I don't think my parents would have wanted it for me either. And a lot of the funds came from megachurches that hold some interesting views and he once oh, described no. that the network was meant to be a christian trojan horse to bring christian content to everyone all right guys if you have to use for your metaphor a moment in mythology legend history whatever it is where people snuck into a city and burned it to the ground Maybe you aren't using the best metaphor for your wholesome Christian service? Oh, don't worry. There's more. Like, what the idea is that, like, they're gonna, like, sneak Christianity into your lives and, like, completely destroy who you were and remake you? Like, what? It'll make... It won't make more sense, but it'll make more sense when I get to describing the church he belongs to. But first, let's take a step back from... Oh no, is this a Chris Pratt situation? Maybe. Uh, where oh, no. he has not really, when he talks about his shows, he talks about it very much just as he made them. Maybe he talks about like his three main voice actors who work on everything, mm-hmm. like Tara Strong is the big one. Uh, but he doesn't really refer to the giant team of writers, artists, producers. That's just not great as a uh, as members of the film community, industry, uh, please credit your team. Mention that there are tons of people and sometimes unpaid interns assisting you. They deserve credit too. They work hard. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's just, that's just bad form. That's like gauche to not mention your team. Like when people are praising you, I mean, obviously as the, you know, executive producer and showrunner, you know, you're going to get a bulk of the, the adulation, but it's generally good form to say my amazing team and I. Yeah. Having not worked in big things, but having worked in film sets and been a crew head, you thank your team because you ain't doing it without them. Uh, No man is an island and in animation especially, it's a huge Mm -hmm. collaborative work. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of animation, now, now we all know Butch Hartman's side hustle is social media. Or his main hustle now. His YouTube channel, his oh. podcast, all that stuff. And with his YouTube channel, he started doing commissions. You could pay $200 to get a book, uh, some artwork from Butch Hartman. Except, it's been proven that he has traced artwork for some of his commissions. Uh, which is just also that. like art community, and especially as an animator with a very clear style who has shown that they can draw. And animation takes a lot of effort because you're often going over and technically tracing things, but it's your own artwork. Yeah. What in 
any mind would you trace someone else's artwork? It's only yeah, been proven in a couple weird. cases, but even if it's proven once, it's like, come on, man. You don't just do it once is the thing though. Like if that if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like that, you are you are doing it. Exactly. Um. So that's that's some little stuff. Um you know, I feel at this point we need to throw in some more background information about his church to understand some of his stuff. Oh. Now, let's have this said, this is not a dig at religion or Christianity as a whole. We are specifically looking at the church and sect he belongs to and what they have done and their beliefs. That's you true. Are free I'm, to, I'm not anti-church. You are free to believe what you want. You are free to follow what you want. Things can be analyzed and looked at and understood from a morality perspective so he belongs to the to the bethel sect of christianity which is a mega church in redding california uh this church also happens to run a major massive christian music label just fun fact there they have two main concepts in the bethel sect the first is that jesus won't come back for the word that i'm forgetting unless seven mountains are conquered and these seven mountains are defined as religion, family, education, government, art, business, and the media. And that this Bethel sect, their ideals... I don't like the use of the word conquered there. ...has to be the central and really only aspect of life. So maybe this explains why Oaxis... Wait, it has to be the... Yes. It has to be the only center of life, but seven mountains. So the idea is that this uh, Christianity, their beliefs need to be in a part of everything. So let's think about the media. Their beliefs have to be prominent in the media, which might be why Oaxus was a Trojan horse of Christianity to bring this sect's exact beliefs into media. One of the shows he wanted was about- This feels like a cult. This now feels like a cult. One of the shows he wanted was about a girl who gets pregnant and doesn't get an abortion. Great, great family-friendly TV there. The second main tenet is that Jesus... I mean, that just... I I was gonna say, like, that doesn't doesn't sound like a great story if it's just a girl who doesn't get an abortion. Like, I'm not... We don't need to go into anyone's pro-choice or pro-life values, but, like, as a story, like... Doesn't feel, exactly. feel a little anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second tenet is Jesus will cure anything as long as you pray and have enough faith. Oh, oh, oh like like on earth right now, not like when Jesus comes back, he will heal anything. It's like yep. right now. Right now. He, oh, and oh, at I this point, like this. we should talk about Julianne Hartman, Butch Hartman's wife. So she, Does she is... Have Hartman hips? I don't know. I didn't see anything of uh, any images of her below, like full body, mostly like headshots. Um, oh yeah, so she. She founded a conference called the Healing Journey Conference, and that's where people come to talk about how they were healed of their ailments through Jesus. This but is a cult. Her her story has a lot going on in it. She's claimed she's had fibromyalgia. Also on the site where she claimed she had fibromyalgia, she described it as an autoimmune disorder. 
that is not what fibromyalgia is. It is not an autoimmune say, disorder. Wait, I have an autoimmune um, disorder, but not that. So, and then in another thing, like she claimed she had fibromyalgia-like symptoms, all that, that like, and depression, anxiety, like she had depression after losing her job, which also might, she might not have lost her job. She might have just stopped working, which we'll get to later. Um, oh. But also like, in writing she's had, she claims she distrusts doctors and has diagnosed herself through the internet, so take what she has with a grain of salt. Also in the same article mm. where she says all that, she says she has an unwillingness to take medicine prescribed by doctors, but has also oh claimed she's spent- she's an anti-vaxxer, isn't she? She spent $300,000 on alternative and holistic medicines. So the main thing I'm coming here is the numbers keep changing, the diagnoses keep changing, along with the Oaxis, Hartman and his wife, not exactly the most clear-cut, truthful individuals. Uh, goodbye, but childhood. We can talk a little bit more about the church. Uh, you know, they supported Trump. You know, everyone's free to have their own political opinions, uh -huh. but I wanted this in here only for one quote. And that is that the senior associate leader had a, prophesied during one of his sermons that 10 days before the impe first impeachment, we're on impeachment one, by the way, <laughs> into the impeachment, pro uh, impeachment started, he claimed that God would end the process and stated, quote, the Lord is going to step into the impeachment process. I mean, I know it's going to happen. End quote. He also believed that God would give Trump another term. Hmm. But this not this is not about politics. This is a prophetic word. So I'm really just imagining everyone who's seen I'm sure everyone has seen those images on like Facebook of their like great aunt who's a little out there claiming that Trump is the second coming of Jesus. That's that's the vibe I'm getting here. And people are free to believe what they want. However And we're allowed to say that's stupid. It's free speech. Free speech. How do you like it? <laughs> it's just an interesting take. I just wanted to talk about God coming in to stop the impeachment. He did not. God did not do that. Instead, God nope. said, have a second one. As a treat. You can have a second impeachment as a treat. Now, an, an important part to us, and you reference this with the Chris Pratt thing, mega churches, not always uh, LGBT friendly. Neither is this one. Uh, they have promoted conversion therapy. Uh, they oh. also have somewhat sponsored the chain, hashtag change movement in which once identified people once identified as LGBTQ+. I'm impressed they use the whole thing. And through encounters with the love of Jesus have experienced his freedom in their lives. So they're basically like, these are people who are gay. And then Jesus said no. I, I, I do love the, the, the people who are anti-gay, but still try to use the correct terminology. Like I'm proud of you. I mean, you I, try. I don't know, just, just like keep calling them the slur that you're thinking in your head. Like, be honest with yourself. If you're, if you're going to be an asshole, be a full asshole. Don't be like a half asshole. Uh, they do not financially support the organization, but they pay the salaries of people and promote it and house some of their organization's offices. Uh, the church doesn't use the term conversion therapy, 
but they have directly opposed bills in California that would have restricted conversions therapy. I, for one, would like to say I'm shocked that California has not banned it fully. That hasn't happened since the writing of these articles. I should talk to my congressman. Please do. Um, and Butch Hartman has not said much about LGBT things. He's been rather mum on the subject. But he said some things that are like, mm, mm, this, this feels like a whistle for being anti-gay. Which we'll get to a little bit more in a bit. Uh, the final so thing to talk- So queer reading of Danny Phantom? Exactly. Danny Phantom has a great way to read it queer and then you go, oh no, Butch Hartman. <laughs> oh, anyway, please continue. Okay, so there's one last thing we'll talk about the church. The church believes that if you pray enough, you can reproduce the mir all the miracles from the Bible. If you remember in the Bible, someone raised the dead. Rod's going back to life. There's a lot of in the Bible that humans can't do. So, Butch Hartman and his wife have partnered with a pastor. His name is Andrew Womack. He claimed he saw his son and wife raised from the dead and that he could make that happen. So the Bethel Church believes that if enough people come together and pray, that people can be raised from the dead. And one time, a few years ago, through the power of social media, they had a trend going of hashtag wake up olive, which a lot of people thought was just, oh, this kid's in a coma. Oh, this kid's going into surgery. No, the kid was dead. They spent six days hosting a giant group sermon to resurrect a toddler. Oh, God. This is that's, the group he's a part that's of. That's foolish. Oh, my God. Okay. This, this so, stuff's getting weirder. This is me saying, there's a lot happening. Hartman has directly said you can pray away autism, pray to cure autism. Oh, hell no. Oh, okay, from this his, guy can go to hell now. From his church views, he has said God has designed couples to be together. A man and a woman was mostly implied. Also a slight at single yeah, mothers go. in that interview. This is an interview he had with someone. I think it was at like a church event, so it's with people. Oh my God. In the same interview, he seemed to express a low opinion of blended families of like and divorce. So two families coming together. Uh, his wife spewed on about divorce being caused mostly by women hating men and that they and that the woman didn't respect the man enough and that women should submit to men. That's her oh, I don't want respect to about this in the context of Cosmo and Wanda's relationship. And like they were oh, like God. I, they talk about fairly odd parents in this interview in, in regards to this because they mention how um they talk about family roles and stuff like that and they talk about how Francis the bully uh comes from an abusive household they talk about uh Chester and how his he's I believe he's raised by a single dad I don't remember his mom I, I don't think we picture. see his mom I think he's yeah a single dad his dad is just trailer. shame uh because he's the worst baseball player ever. He wears a paper bag over his head. Chester McBad but, that. <laughs> just, uh, there are some misogynistic views also been expressed publicly. These are public things they have said. They even said, like, people are going to hate on us for this. 
Um, we'll do. We'll you are correct. Um, because marriage is not about women respecting men. And uh, that it's about two people coming together who respect and love each other. There is respect on both sides of the aisle. But it's not about submitting as a form of respect. It's about going, oh, those are your boundaries? Cool. I'll respect that. These are mine. And having yeah. a communicative relationship and care for each other. Now. Yes. <laughs> so here's the worst part about things which Hartman has done. And I'm going to put a content warning on this part. This oh, is about, no! This, this is his views on mental health, depression, and suicide. So if you are uncomfortable with any of those topics, please skip ahead, like, ten minutes, maybe? Uh-oh. So, now that everyone who doesn't want to listen has left. Well, we'll put a timestamp in in post. <laughs> in the YouTube, we'll get a timestamp. I'll, I'll record over giving you a correct timestamp now. Timestamp. Timestamp. Okay, now you all have the correct timestamp. So Butch Hartman has gone on record saying, quote, depression wasn't a thing when I was young. When kids had a hard time, they got through it. Suicide wasn't a thought. Maybe, perhaps, that was because when you were a child, mental health wasn't talked about. It was taboo to be having dealing with these things. It showed you, there was a thing about men needed to be strong. People just didn't talk about it. They were social taboo, which we are finally breaking through. Oh my god. Uh, he has also went on record saying introverts are selfish and self-centered. Because wow. they think only of themselves. As an introvert, I can say, that is not true. I just I mean, I, am socially anxious I am and don't like talking to people that much. I am also a an introvert. I'm I'm also selfish and self-obsessed, but that's a completely separate thing. That's not because I'm an introvert, it's because I'm an asshole. Those are two def those are two different things. But back to the depression thing. Ah. He has said that media is the reason that depression and suicide is a thing now, because people aren't watching the content that their kids are watching and like it's a trend in media to show this stuff and it's putting all the blame on it on media rather than environmental reasons the fact that it is just a neurological problem in a sense of like brain wire got funky things are wrong <laughs> just need to throw a little bit of more serotonin or dopamine in there yeah and the fact that you know that way back in the day people weren't diagnosed with depression or being suicidal they were given other crazy diagnoses and put on a ton of medication and occasionally like locked in mental hospitals where they were treated poorly i mean or given I, lobotomies we had we were not good at mental health treatment in the past and we still aren't great at it but we're getting better right like now that like people with milder cases feel comfortable coming out and you know seeking help just just because more people are doing that doesn't even necessarily mean that it is more common now it just it just means that we are it is less taboo like you said before 
I, I mean, we're, look, I'm, I am not equipped to, to talk about this. I'm not an expert on the subject. I, I have friends who have, have suffered from, from mental health issues of various kinds, and it is not the media's fault. It is, there, look, there are certainly certain cases where you can argue that things are exacerbated by the media, and I think that that's why content warnings are so important, as we just did. Um, it's very important that we are responsible and we, you know, recognize that certain things can be triggering to people who are already suffering from mental illness. You know, I think I don't, I don't think any any reasonable doctor could argue that you can get a mental illness from the media. Um, but you know, it, it's not wrong to say that there are there are certain areas of the media that can that can make a situation worse. Um, mm -hmm. But like what oh we my just God. did, we went, hey, this is in our content. If this makes you uncomfortable, please skip forward. It can exacerbate things, but they are usually always there. Genetic problems, neurological problems, they are not caused solely by environmental factors. Honestly, this, this reads to me, knowing the rest that the, what, what you've just told me about Butch Hartman, this leads me to believe that he possibly doesn't even fully believe that. It's just, it's part of his and his church's efforts to reorganize media to be more Christian friendly by saying that the current media is so evil it is making your children kill themselves. Yeah, then, I mean, that, that could definitely that, be that's, it. That's what, that's, what you have, that's what you have to do because otherwise there's no, it, you can't both say the current media is fine and it needs to be completely overhauled with a Christian message, you know? There needs, there needs to be some rallying cry for why the current media needs to be changed and it will kill your children is probably the strongest argument you can give for something like that, even if it is completely nonsense. So this guy can go to hell. Um, uh, wow. Now, hey, hey, now here's the now. thing. That sucks. All right. I, we've said a lot of bad things that Butch Hartman has yeah. said, done. I think the thing, the final thing I had left is probably the worst. So he has a podcast called Speech Bubble, in which voice actors, other animation people have come on. And Tar okay. Tara Strong came on one day. Tara Strong, I said that wrong. Came onto the podcast once. And as most people know, Tara Strong is the voice actor for Timmy Turner. And everyone else. <laughs> and everyone else. She was not the original voice actor for Timmy Turner. Oh. She was not in the pilot and was not originally going to be the voice actor. That was Mary Kay Bergman. Famously known for voicing basically any woman on South Park for a while. Huh, interesting. But, unfortunately, Bergman passed away, I believe, in 1999. Oh. From suicide. She took her own oh. life. Hartman, on this podcast with Tara Strong, claimed that the only reason Tara, Tara Strong was successful was because Bergman passed away. And therefore, Strong got the part as Timmy Turner and that launched her career. But the other worst part is he joked that Tara probably had something to do with it, like saying that uh, she killed, killed Bergman. Tara Strong and Bergman were friends also. And you can see on her face if you want, find the clip and watch it, just how kind of like there's a mental shock of like this guy's actually going there. And, like, talking about this person, who's a famous voice actor and a friend of the person, just nonchalantly joking about how she passed away. 
kind of speechless at that. I mean, it, it's so bad that they were friends. I mean, that obviously makes it ten times worse. But who says that to someone about a person who's really dead? Like, oh my god. Like, I wouldn't even say that about, like, a, like a, like a celebrity that I have, like, no understanding of. I wouldn't even, like, joke, like, oh, like, such and such probably killed them. Ha ha. Like, that's not even funny from any point of view. Wow, okay, well, thanks, Katie. You have ruined my childhood and every Butch Hartman property I've ever watched. Um, Apologies. But, and here's where we put in the thing, you can still appreciate works of art and media that have been written by people who have bad views, bad takes, things you disagree with. This is something that I think especially as we've studied a lot of um, things that have been made by, you learn, bad people who have done sure. bad things. You can't simply go and, s you can still enjoy those things, but you can't go and separate them from the person. And I think that's why more people, like you need to understand who Bush Hartman is because you can see why some things happened in the things and why he has certain takes on his work that may differ from other people, such as the fact that most, a lot of people read Danny Phantom as possibly being queer, a queer story. He would not say right. that. Um, it's similar to how you can, you should, can read and enjoy H.P. Lovecraft. You just need to take into the fact Lovecraft was not a good man in today's view. Product of his times, possibly, you can say, but even still. Bad takes. Bad takes. It's also kind of bad for his time, too. H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft was, uh, was, was, was notably bad for his time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, or like Lucia Shen, who... Tolkien, same. Tolkien, Lucia Shen, who's important to the, the work of sci-fis, mm. supporter of what China's currently doing with the Uyghurs. Ah. You can look... Yeah. There are people with bad takes who are going to be prominent in their field, in their area whose works you can't, shouldn't just ignore and you can look at and go, wow, this is interesting. And look at that. You should just be able to re look and go, see who this person is. And often I think it's important to take, to make ways with working with these works, go and speak to it in a sense and say, this is where those influences are or find ways to make nuanced critiques of that. Exactly. Um, I'm I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I've been for my pretty much my entire life, ever since I could read. Um, and so, you know, obviously it's been hard for me to reconcile that with J.K. Rowling's recent horribleness. Um, and I think I think part of it is also recognizing that the way a audience member, a consumer engages with a text, be it a, a, a book or a cartoon or any other piece of media. Th that is also its own thing. It's its own. It's its own existence, and it's also valid. My my relationship to Harry Potter books, uh, to the Ender's Game series, that's another big one, uh, to Lord of the Rings, and to Butch Hartman's cartoons, uh, that that relationship is its own thing, and it is special, and it is divorced from the creator, and even somewhat divorced from the creation. Uh, I grew up with Fairly Odd Parents and Danny Phantom. I love those shows. I still love those shows, uh, and it the the feelings of, of of familiarity and nostalgia and happiness, honestly, that I get from those that that's not to be discounted, and that is that is something that is special and should 
should, you know, obviously, like I said, it should be contextualized. And perhaps the next time I watch through an episode of Fairly Odd Parents, I'll give a small donation to an LGBT or mental health charity. Um, that, that's a way I found it's nice to alleviate some of the personal guilt you might feel from, from consuming a product and giving potential royalties to bad people. Um, but, but I think, I think there, is, there is a certain death of the author uh, involved in this. Yeah, and I think this will not be the last time we talk about this on this show because cartoons have made for a long time. And because of that, they're made by a variety of people who have a variety of views that society is beginning to understand what views, like their own overall morality, social norms are often changing. So now we have a better view on things. So we will look at things and yeah. go, huh, and put it into our modern context. That doesn't take away any of the... It takes away sometimes some of the value of the property, but it still doesn't take away that Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom, are major cornerstones of our generation and probably the generation after us. Um, and there are expression, understanding of different things they shaped our childhood so they will be important in our understanding of the world so seeing where things came from in any instance is very uh it's it's an important fact of learning how to analyze these works absolutely yeah as a final note i do now find it very funny knowing what i know about butch hartman's views on traditional family structure that uh, Cosmo absolutely was the one who got pregnant with Poof, right? I'm not, I'm not. Dang it, that I'm was my ending also. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of everyone's favorite things to talk about is, huh, Butch Hartman, you, uh, you think that, why was Cosmo the pregnant one? What I mean, was this? Okay. A, a more cynical view is that it was absolutely played for laughs, like, haha, men can't get pregnant. And of course, now with a more enlightened uh, view on gender, gender roles, and as, especially on a gender identity, we now know that it's absolutely possible for people who identify as men to get pregnant, and it's a, a beautiful thing that we should all respect. Um, so, you know, it was kind of played as a joke, which probably wouldn't fly today, but they did it. I think it was a step forward for the time. I mean, if, if for no other reason that it, it was based on the premise that the maternal figure would be the father. Uh, my, my dad was a single father for a long period of time and, and basically raised my sister. Uh, so I, I have a lot of respect for single fathers. And I, I would hope that seeing Cosmo portrayed in that way uh, made, made children of single fathers feel very seen in a way that they not, are not often seen in media. So, or... I, you know, or, let's, let's, yeah. Consider the following. Fairies are seahorses. I buy that. I think, I think that, that's a, that's a good place to end it. T TLDR, Butch Hartman says fairies are seahorses. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, well, this has been an interesting deep dive, Katie. Thank you for enlightening me in this way. Um, I'm I don't know sorry for I ruining your childhood. You have a little bit ruined my childhood, um, which is a shame. Um, and I, I sincerely hope that Butch Hartman sees the light and realizes the harm he is doing to large communities of his fans who love his work and respect him. And he, he, has, he has produced some 
really incredible content that has shaped the animation landscape. So it's unfortunate that he has these views and that he uses his platform in such a way, but let's always hope for the best and hope that he, he grows as a human. What a beautiful way to end well, it. <laughs> beautiful way to end it. Uh, time for us to pop back in the old cartoon time machine and maybe go to a, a simpler time before we knew all of these things about Butch Hartman. Uh, once again, we're your animates. I am Scarlet. I'm Katie, the ruiner of childhoods. Katie, ruiner of childhood. That's that's absolutely going to be your nickname from here on out. I love Thank that. Thank you. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody.